Um, welcome to another episode of 2A to B or not 2A to B. Uh, we're still on neuroradiology, as we will be for the rest of our lives. Uh, and we are going to talk today about uh, we're drinking Aperol Spritz for anyone asking. <laughs> of course, treating ourselves. Uh, we're going to talk about um, CNS lymphoma. Mm -hmm. um, and we might talk a little bit about like metastatic disease to the brain as well. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, class minus and dual neoplasms. Let's see how far we yeah. get. Okay. Dual cancers. Ooh, fancy. Uh, so, CNS lymphoma. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about CNS lymphoma. Yeah. Um, so, I always call it primary CNS lymphoma. Thank you. That's actually what I wanted oh. you to say first. <laughs> Chances. I was like, you kept on saying CNS lymphoma, yeah. and I was like, mm, right, yeah. Tell me why you call it that. Well, because it's not a lymphoma of the body that spreads to the brain. It's actually primary CNS lymphoma that is started in the brain. Really nice. Um, most uh, commonly, they are B cell lymphomas. Uh, do you like this? No, uh, but this is my project. Okay, oh, great. Okay. <laughs> so I like in the same as the body, you have diffuse large B cell lymphomas. Yeah. It's the same type of cell process in the brain yeah. and if you think about diffuse large B cell lymphomas in the body yeah. I remember when I did my hematology job yeah. of all the ones that they came in with which often it was, would be like a GI diffuse B cell lymphoma yeah. if it was those they were ones that patients actually could respond well to chemotherapy okay. could choose yeah. uh, treat sorry so in the same way in the brain these uh, primary CNS lymphomas, once they're treated, the treatment is really horrible, yeah. but the, it's known to melt away. Oh, it's... it's the same as GI tract. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, yes, um, these are my top two points. Okay, Thank you. and then I'm just going to tell you a bit about where it is in the brain. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it must, most often, I think it's periventricular, <laughs> and then zones of the brain, most commonly frontal lobe and basal ganglia. Okay. Um, it's one of the ones that has like a butterfly, sort of can have a butterfly distribution, which we've spoken about in a different episode. Yeah. First, top three um, differentials for those, there are five, but top three mm. are um, primary CNS lymphoma, yeah. demyelination, yeah. and GBMs. Yeah. The other two, I think, were METs yeah. and something else. Radiation necrosis. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, covering other things. Um, and then primary CNS lymphoma, what else is relevant to us? Oh, yeah, what it does on imaging. Duh. So these are characteristically <laughs> very, very cellular tumours, yeah. packed pack, pack full of cells. Yeah. So therefore, uh, in terms of diffusion, they will restrict. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they will be high intensity on T2. Mm -hmm. No, low intensity, yeah. sorry. Think about so packed. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. Um, so rub that out. Low intensity Low on intensity. T2, but highly restrictive on diffusion. Um, and, oh, no, what I was talking about, enhancement. Is that for? Salute. Perfect. Rather, I was thinking, I was confusing yeah. T2 stuff with enhancement. I meant it's enhancing. Okay does enhance. Okay, I'm going to stop you. Mm -hmm. You're an expert at CNS. No, I'm not that. Who are you? But there are slightly different appearances mm -hmm. depending on whether it's an immunocompromised. Oh, yeah, I should have said that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So I can tell you about that. 
Okay, you're perfect. So what I was telling you about was in an immunocompetent patient. Perfect. And most, when you're talking about the immunocompromised, they're usually HIV patients who get these. And in that case, they might, they show more uh, peripheral enhancement with a center like a rim enhancement. Thank you. Yeah, sorry, that's whatever, but peripheral. A bit like when we look at abscesses. Um, And when you see that in an exam, Mm. the top differential is going to be either uh, lymphoma or toxoplasmosis. And the reason for that, I'm not really sure, actually. They probably had it for longer, I don't know. Who's had it for longer? No, the reason why they are so different between one type of patient or the other. Um... I'm well, actually sure. uh, it's because in an immunocompetent patient, mm-hmm. um, so immunocompetent patients, mm-hmm. the primary CNS lymphoma usually enhances homogeneously mm-hmm. without central necrosis, mm-hmm. whereas central necrosis okay. is a feature of immunocompromised patients. But why? Don't know. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. sorry. No, can't tell you that. Mm. Uh, it might so be more aggressive or reason. something. Yeah. I think it might be more aggressive or they might have had it for longer. I guess it's like yes, going wilder. Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. Yeah. you normally get necrosis when you've outgrown the blood supply. Mm. So perhaps it's because they're immunocompromised, it's taken hold quicker, yeah. grown quicker. Yeah. And then you get that necrosis yeah. because the blood supply hasn't like yeah. kept up with the growth. That's yeah. how I probably yeah. remember yeah. it, but that might be completely no, no, incorrect. No, that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Gosh, you've done such a lovely job. Shall I go through a little bit of what Mandel says? Yeah. So, primary CNS lymphoma is a lymphoma isolated in CNS, mm-hmm. most commonly diffuse large B cell. Mm-hmm. It's immature blast cells um, from lymphoid aggregates around small cerebral blood vessels in a periventricular location. Can you stay at the cellular thing? Mm. So, it's immature blast cells. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I said from, and actually it says form here. Yeah. Immature blast cells form lymphoid aggregates yeah. around small cerebral blood vessels. The key image, hang on. So, immature blast vessels form lymphoid aggregates around small cerebral blood vessels in a periventricular location. Mm-hmm. Note that the brain does not contain native lymphoid tissue. So it's not like a lymph node's gone wild. No. no. It's little aggregates around. It's, it's basically, the, if you think of like when um, uh, blood cells develop, whatever, it's yeah. one of like the very initial like B-cells. Yeah, okay, perfect. Gone, does mutate or whatever, go, yeah. goes wild, yeah. expands, yeah. and you get this. Um, and it goes large, large B-cell. Primary CNS lymphoma is known to melt away with chemo radiation, but it does tend to recur really aggressively. Yeah. Um, the appearance of primary CNS and I like, I think, in the GI, where I think you can do quite well as well. Yeah, okay. Um, appearance depends on the immune status of the patient, regardless of the immune status. Mm-hmm. Some key imaging findings are that it's periventricular, uh, high cellularity, like yeah. you said. So that means it's bright, like hyperattenuating on CT. Yes, that's what I meant. Yeah. And then you've got low intensity on T2 yeah. and restricting the diffusion. Yeah. Very nice. Um, so you're. I've got something outside. Oh, sorry, I think you're about to say it. Go on. Well, I wasn't going to say flare, so like, but there's another type of imaging which is developed further than 
um, diffusion imaging, which is perfusion. And I think, okay, uh, it shows characteristics. Um, I think, like, I don't, do you know how you, I don't know if it's called a restricted perfusion. Yeah. It has characteristic okay. perfusion change, which is like a new type of imaging. Oh, okay. Doesn't which we don't do in the George's bit, like, in neurotenders. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Oh, um, it's okay, it doesn't matter. Um, so then, in an immunocompetent patient, mm-hmm. as you said, primary lymphoma typically presents as an enhancing periventricular mass, mm-hmm. often crossing the corpus callosum. Hence, butterfly. Involvement of the frontal lobes and basal ganglia are most common. I'm absolutely blown away that you're so good at this. Mm. Um, the differential she does diagnosis, talk about it in her podcast as well. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, the differential diagnosis for a mass involving the corpus callosum includes lymphoma, GBM, demyelination, METS, radiation, necrosis. Uh, immunocompetent individual, it usually enhances homogeneously with no central necrosis. Then, CNS lymphoma in an immunocompromised patient typically presents periventricular ring-enhancing lesion in the basal ganglia. Oh, in the basal... I didn't know that. Oh, that's periventricular, isn't it? I guess. Yeah. By, like, definition. Yeah. Um, ring enhancement is caused by central necrosis. The two primary differential considerations for ring-enhancing basal ganglia mass in an Im- immunocompromised patient are lymphoma and toxo. Several imaging and clinical options are available to differentiate between a lymphoma and a toxoplasmosis. Tell me about them. I know one of them will probably be the perfusion, but I don't know, do they talk about perfusion? They do talk oh, about okay. perfusion. Fine. Yeah. So that will be one. So perfusion scanning. CNS lymphoma has an increased relative cerebral blood volume, while toxo is hypovascular. Mm-hmm. Note that lymphoma and toxo cannot be reliably differentiated by enhancement. Intraaxial enhancement is a measure of capillary leakage, not perfusion. Both will enhance. Mm-hmm. That's our sort of blood brain barrier, I guess. So it's like cap- capillaries leaking, which can be caused by the lymphoma or toxic. Yeah, yeah. So enhancement get out, but perfusion it does work. Does um, three others to differentiate between lymphoma and toxic restriction? No diffusion. No, no. no. One is if you treat them with anti-toxotherapy mm. and do a short and doctor's interval. going to work. The other ones aren't. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is thallium scanning. Oh, yes. For uh, lymphoma, okay. they will, um, it's the same with PET scanning for lymphoma. They will be bright. Very nice. So the third one is PET scanning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so thallium scanning, CNS lymphoma is thallium avid. Toxo doesn't take it up. PET scanning, CNS lymphoma tends to be high-grade, metabolically active, whereas toxo doesn't have an avid FDG uptake. Beautiful. So that's primary CNS lymphoma. What else in the world of lymphoma? Secondary. Yeah. Oh, God. So secondary CNS lymphoma is involvement of the CNS in a patient with known extracerebral lymphoma. Mm-hmm. So it's like sort of metastasized. Um, and where does that tend to go? Don't know. No idea. So it tends to go to the meninges. Okay. And it can cause leptin, meningeal, okay, carcinomatosis. So like normal, normal meta spread. Um, and yeah. it can cause epidural cord compression. So because it causes thickening in the cord. Also, it can be like a deposit way. in the cord. And yeah. therefore. And that where it causes volume. Exactly. Volume. Yeah. Mass effect. Yeah. Um, Less commonly, secondary CNS involvement of lymphoma can present as a parenchymal mass. So you can okay. get like a, 
like a um, lump. Normal, like yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, fine. So that is CNS lymphoma. Um, what sort of timing are we on? Do we want to continue with some metastatic? Yeah, I think so. We're only only on twelve. Oh, fine. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about what are the most common primary tumours to then cause parenchymal mets. Sorry, say that again. <laughs> I weren't listening at all. Um, the most common primary tumours. Yeah. To then cause parenchymal mets. Okay, so I don't. We kind of discussed this the other day. So I don't know if the difference is, uh, you know, specifically parenchymal. But the one I had, number one, was melanoma. Is it, is this yeah, melanoma's on my list. So we, I think we did sort of talk about this a bit yeah um i think other ones include renal cell no uh, thyroid no what are the two most common oh melanoma and breast yeah and lung lung yeah um what were we talking about the other day you're right we were talking about something weren't we i'm trying to find where that was oh we were talking about hemorrhagic metastases yeah which we said breast and lung aren't the most common, but breast and lung are so commonly so commonly metastasized to the brain yeah. that of your hemorrhagic met, a lot of them will be lung and breast, exactly. even though lung and breast aren't typically hemorrhagic. hemorrhagic. Exactly. Very nice. Just to remind you that other hemorrhagic mets are uh, melanoma, mm -hmm. renal cell, thyroid, and choriocarcinoma. Which is why I just said all of those. So yeah. delete what I just said. For just general just meds, general. I would then now say melanoma, breast, lung. Yeah, primary tumours to cause parenchymal meds: lung, breast, melanoma. Lovely. Um, where do they turn up in the parenchyma, and why? Um, why do they? Oh, how do they get there? Yeah. So there, therefore, where do you see them? Perivascularly. So, so the um, most Mets are hematogenous yeah. and they're spread. Yeah. So true. therefore, they're going to arise at the like narrowest point where they get wedged, and that means that so they tend to arise at the grey-white matter junction. I was going to say at a junction of something, but no, it's grey yeah. matter. I think because um, there's a calibre change there in the, of the vessel. arteries. Yeah. yeah. Um, enhancement. Uh, so of these mechs, I think they must be enhancing. Yeah, yeah. enhancement is universal. Yeah. <laughs> um, capillaries produced by an extra CNS primary tumour do not have a functioning blood-brain barrier. But also, it's what we just touched upon earlier, is that enhancement isn't necessarily like, it's all about capillary leakage. Yeah. So they're all going to have capillaries. They all have dodgy capillaries because yeah. they're like not tumours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, larger mechs can have marked edema, yeah. but smaller mets Not can just be tiny little enhancing foci. Only, you can only... Which I think I have seen in the, the neuro-onc Like the, the little ones that you... That don't know. That's know. all I've got about metastatic disease to the brain yeah. here. I think that's all we need. Um, do we want to talk about dural neoplasms, i.e. meningioma and dural mets now? Might as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's too long. No, it's 15 at the moment. So tell me about meningiomas. I feel like we know a little bit about yeah. meningiomas. So, tell so me meningiomas, are, I think, in my head, are quite homogeneous. Intra, extra, axial. Extra. Lovely. And they're quite homogeneous things. Mm. They're fairly cellular um, and classically light up like a light bulb, so yeah. enhance, yeah. and they have a dural tail. Yeah. Um, where do they occur? What else they Classically. Oh. Uh, Classifications? Yeah. I think in a quarter. Sure. Yeah, okay. That's not what I was looking for. 
Um, tell me a hint. Can't you have? Um, I don't know how to make it a hint. I'll just tell okay. you. Can't you have uh, like uh, surrounding like a um, hyperostosis of the cranium? No, you're thinking about medullary. You're thinking about another one, aren't you? I thought meningioma classically you can get like surrounding cranium changes. Hyperostosis. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway. Okay, maybe. We'll come back we'll to that. We'll come back now. to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll probably read that now. <laughs> um, so, meningioma, far, by far the most common extra axial tumour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does it come from? What does it arise from? The dura. Yeah, what cells? Uh, oh, God, what cells? I've never heard of these. Okay, so just tell me. <laughs> Meningioepithelial yeah, cells called arachnoid cap cells. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Typically, they occur in adult, elderly adults with a female predominance, yeah, I didn't know that. and they're often asymptomatic. Female in her 40s. This is elderly here. Yeah. Anyway, uh, vast majority are benign, mm-hmm. obviously, but one to two percent can be anaplastic or malignant. Mm-hmm. Both benign and malignant meningiomas can metastasize. I don't know that. I didn't know that. Although this is uncommon. <laughs> um, when might I see multiple meningiomas? Oh, it's like a syndrome or something. There are two. Syndromes. Well, there's one syndrome and one mm-hmm. post-treatment. Yeah, no so idea. multiple meningiomas are seen in neurofibromatosis type, type 2. two. <laughs> <laughs> um, or following radiation therapy. Okay, I didn't know that. Interesting. And the, what's the other thing in, that you can see in neurofibromatosis type 2 more common than meningiomas? Mm, bilateral vestibular schwannomas. Yes! Very good. Uh, so, meningiomas can occur anywhere in the neuraxis, but are most commonly supratentorial and parasagittal. It's like that one you showed me the other day yeah. that I wouldn't have noticed. Mm. Uh, <laughs> meningiomas can also be intraventricular. We learned that the other yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, that was in our. Um, and I've seen these a couple of times. You can get intraosseous meningiomas. Yeah, weird. Send me that. Um, they look like. They look a bit like fibrous dysplasia, you know, that like ground yeah. glass thing. Yeah. Um, so it's of like bones expanding. Bones yeah. expanding, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, That's good to know. So non conceited. And what is it called when it's an intraosseous? Intraosseous meningioma. Yeah. I have seen like one or two of those that one of the oh. neuroradiology consultants has been like, oh, that's an intraosseous meningioma. And I'm like, oh, what? Go oh, again, go again. again. Yeah. yeah. Um, Clearly. So non con CT are standard. Yeah. What might they look like? You might have a few dense uh, calcifications. They might have a bit of hyperdensity to them. Mm. Uh, quite looking, the bit doesn't like compared to hemorrhage, it's got this sort of more heterogeneous high density, a bit less than for blood, is how you differentiate it from like okay. an acute bleed. Um, and they might just have a bit of like mass effect, like a soft tissue lesion. Really nice. Uh, they say, it says here, on non-con-CT, meningiomas are usually hyper-attenuating mm. relative to brain mm. and approximately 25% calcify. Thank you yeah. so much. And that. just to add a note on that, the yeah. fact that they say 25% calcify, I think it depends very much on which one it is, like where in the brain it is. Some of them are more likely to calcify than others, like interventricular versus... Ah! Good fact. Um, I think um, she talks about it in cerebellopontine angle ones. Oh, interesting. So, well, I wonder whether that's in Crack the Call rather than um, yeah, she Mandel. Was. She was reading through Mandel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be later on in Mandel. Yeah. Yeah. It might so, be coming so, on so, to so. this. <laughs> um, MRI, what do they look like? 
Ooh, oh, well, they're highly packed. So low T2 and restricted diffusion. So variable with ISO intense or slightly. Oh, no, but the most thing, the sort of, sorry, the most classic feature is that if you're suspecting a meningioma, you need to get a post-contrast MRI because they're going to be avidly enhancing. And what else will they have? Yeah. <clears throat> oh, what what other feature? Yeah, dual tails. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so MRI periods can be variable with ISO or slightly hypo intense signal on T1 weighted, and variable signal intensity on T2. There is okay. typically a broad based attachment to the dura. That's the dural tail. That's the yeah. dural tail. Meningioma is avidly enhanced. Yeah. An enhancing okay. dural tail is thought to be vasoactive substances rela released by the meningioma rather than tumour spreading to dura. Yeah. I've read that so many times, oh, okay. so, so I think that's important. Okay. Like, I don't really know why it matters. Never heard of that, but... Continue. I don't know why it matters at all for us, but, but I've read it so many times. <laughs> it must. So maybe we'll work out why. Um, so despite... I guess because if it's spread, it's more nasty, so, so it's like a reassuring maybe. thing. Quicker, it'll be April. So, despite the extra axial location of most meningiomas, mm -hmm. there may be extensive white matter edema, and that's thought to be due to the vasoactive factors and mm. peel vascular supply. Edema on, on what sequence? Right? So, you can get white matter edema. Did you? I've never seen that, but apparently yeah, you okay. can. Uh, thought to be due to, you know, like the, so we've just said that the Dural tail is thought to be vasoactive due to vasoactive substances. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll get through this and then we can call the secret. Uh, but so if we think about them as releasing this vasoactive yeah. substance yeah. Um, that's causing the dural tail, mm -hmm. then it makes sense that you get this white matter edema also, yeah, yeah. also due to the vasoactive factors mm -hmm. and peel vascular supply, so PMR to oh. like the super innermost. Mm -hmm. um, there's often a discordance between the size of the meningioma and the degree of white matter edema, and you get okay. severe so it can edema be a small one with a really small yeah. tumor. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I've got a tiny bit about dural mets. So that was a meningioma, which mm -hmm. is a dural neoplasm. Mm -hmm. But then dural mets yeah. themselves. So nothing um, to do with meningioma. Nothing to do yeah. with meningioma. The most common tumors to metastasize to the dura. Breast is the most common. I've heard that yeah. talked about so many times. Mm -hmm. Lymphoma, mm -hmm. we said earlier that um, secondary secondary yeah. lymphoma yeah. normally goes to the um, leptomeninges. So the most common tumours to metastasize the dura: breast, lymphoma, small cell lung cancer, and melanoma. Okay, makes sense. To yeah, me. makes sense. Uh, and what's this? This is you can get a little mass. So this is just um, Mandel, page 228, is just showing me a picture of dural mets, and it's showing that on a flare, you get a mass with vasogenic edema um, that is hot, like intense on flare. Uh, you can't really tell whether it's intra or extra axial on these. Um, okay. So then you have to look for like dural enhancement on the post-enhancement things to compare. tell yourself that yeah. it's dural. Yeah. That's it, that's Perfect. done. Perfect. Um, kind of gods. Oh my gods.